You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. How is everyone this morning? It might take them just a second to get this thing adjusted in just right. Uh, by the way, I'm not Marty Shelton. <laughs> y'all, y'all didn't know that. Um, just, just on a side note, do be, do be praying for Marty this morning. He's feeling under the weather. Um, he asked me to, to step in. and uh, So it made it a little bit easier because we were in the book of Hebrews. And he said, Hebrews chapter 9 or 10. And I thought about it and I said, well, it's already narrow, narrowed down to chapter 9. So we'll just go with chapter 9. So anyway, um, chapter 9 is a long chapter. I, get, I guess you wanted to hear that, didn't you? <laughs> but... I only started preparing yesterday afternoon, so it might be a short sermon. There you go. <laughs> um, I do want to say I'm glad everybody's here. Um, I want to say a special welcome to all of our guests. Uh, you're the reason why we are here is, is for folks to come in that's maybe been other places or maybe never been anywhere, and you're just trying something different. And we're, we're just really glad you're here. And I hope that before you get out of here, Two or three people, at least, hug your neck or shake your hand, just whichever you prefer, okay? We won't force you to hug, but some of us like to hug. Another thing on a little side note, um, these right here are home team questions. And something here at TCAR we do, the church at Rutledge we do, is we gather on Wednesday nights in homes. This is a commercial for Rita. (laughs) Um, We'd gather in homes on Wednesday nights, and, and we'd like for everybody to be in a home team. We get together and we we eat a good meal and we talk about today's sermon. And this is home team questions and there's just some questions on here to kind of get you to thinking. You don't have to do the questions. You can talk about whatever God leads you to talk about. But the the idea is to talk about the sermon and to to make it more real to each one of us uh, during the week. Now, the other thing I want to share with you about these home team questions is um, if you'll get some of these when you go out or, or if you already have any, these look really good, but I didn't do it, okay? I scribbled it out on a piece of paper and handed it to my youngest son, who is in the back working, uh, Emmanuel, or Manuel, as we call him. We dropped the uh, just Manuel. But anyway, he's the one who did this, and I just wanted to thank him for that and just kind of let y'all know, um, you know, we, we've got some hope for the church later on. But anyway, <laughs> he, he did a good job, and I, I told him I would... I would share that with the church. And he didn't ask me to do that. I just did that on my own. Anyway, uh, once again, just glad you're here this morning. Um, today is, is, today's message is from the ninth, book, uh, ninth chapter of the book of Hebrews. If you want to turn there, uh, you're welcome to. And most likely it will be up here also. But we've been in a series uh, in the book of Hebrews talking about the best ever. And the book of Hebrews, as most of you guys know... Um, talks about the Old Testament a lot and about how that, how that the, the, in the Old Testament covenant you, you had the sacrifice of the lambs and the bulls and the goats. And um, it, was, it was really, really different than what it is today. So it's, it's kind of difficult for me to understand how things really worked back then. But we learn a little bit more each day or each time we read and study about God's Word. And we, we learn about how things were back then. 
especially in the book of Leviticus, if you want to read some of those, um, some of the laws and some of the ways they had to do things. But I, I just, I am so glad, I'm so glad that, that Jesus came and became our lamb, our sacrifice. And we don't have to go to the, to the tabernacle or to the temple and, and talk with the priest or, or take animals to be sacrificed. Um, if, if you guys get in and study about this stuff, it was, it was pretty, sometimes pretty gory. I mean, it was, I'm not going to get into any gore this morning, but I mean, you know, a blood sacrifice was, was not real clean. It was, it was pretty gory. But Jesus sacrificed himself. He offered himself for us. And we have a, a new covenant. And that's what the book of Hebrews kind of zeroes in on it. Um, or lets us know that, that Jesus became the sacrificial lamb so that we don't have to do those sacrifices anymore. He did it for us. And if, if you're here today or, or if you're listening online and, and you say, well, I don't really know if Jesus did that for me or not. Well, I hope that as, as we look at the scripture today that, that God will just reveal to you that yes, he did this for you. He did it for us. He did it for you. And, and each one of us can say to ourselves, he did it for me, for me. It's personal. It's a personal thing. So anyway, I want to share with you a few verses from uh, starting in chapter, chapter 9, verse 1. We're just going to look at the way that, kind of the way that things were done in the tabernacle. In the Old Testament, they had the tabernacle uh, before they had the temple. And so it was like a, a temporary temple. But in Hebrews chapter 9, let's, let's just look at these verses here, a few of them. And I'll stop and maybe make a comment or two, but we won't, we won't stay too long in these first few verses. We're going to get down to verse 11 pretty quickly, okay? But if you will, look at uh, chapter 9, verse 1. Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were the lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the Most Holy Place, which had the golden altar of incense and the golden gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the, the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the Covenant. Above the Ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. So the writer here is, is just briefly giving an overview of how things were done in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, when they came to the tabernacle. And each one of these things, we could, we could zero in on them and, and talk about them and um, discuss what they meant and what they meant to them and, and how they um, maybe represent something to us today. Um, the, the, uh, for example, the, the gold jar of manna, what does that mean? Uh, what's that talking about? And... You go back into the Old Testament and you read in Exodus how that the um, Hebrew children were out there wandering and they were starving to death and they brought it on themselves. But anyway, long story short, um, God met their needs out in the desert. He gave them manna to eat, which was some kind of bread, uh, as best we can tell. But they had manna. And so some way or another, they ended up with some of that manna in a jar, in a, in a gold jar. And that was... Uh, moved from place to place with the with the tabernacle 
But in verse 6, when everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly. That's a hard word for me right there, okay? Hold on. I can do it. If I can't do it, we'll just say refrigerator and go on, okay? But uh, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on the ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood. Always had to be a blood sacrifice, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people, had committed in ignorance. Those, the sins the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings. External regulations applying until the time of the new order. So he goes on and describes what the priest had to do and some of the details there. And, and this, this is a really deep Bible study. If any of you guys ever want to just study a, a deep subject, just study the Old Testament sacrifices, what all they had to do. I mean, there were so many, so many things they had to do to make sure everything was, was just as perfect as they could make it. But they, they never could get close enough because Jesus was the only one that was perfect. Now, that was the introduction. That wasn't too long, was it? Okay. Verse 11. Verse 11 and the rest of the chapter. In these verses, I, I want to share with us some things that the blood of Christ accomplishes for us. Or some of the things that the, the blood of Christ enables us to do. And so let's just read a few verses there and I'll stop at a certain spot and we'll talk about one of them. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of, the crea- of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats, the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining Eternal redemption. Right there's where I want to stop. Eternal redemption. Jesus entered the most holy place, not, not because of the blood of these sacrifices, but because of himself. He offered himself. And because of the blood of Christ, because he was willing to shed his blood for us, we have eternal redemption. Now, what in the world is that talking about? Well, let's, let's break it down and try to make it pretty simple. How long is eternal? Anybody know? Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, right? It's forever. It lasts forever. So, redemption. What do do you think redemption means? Now, don't shout it out. Just kind of think to yourself a minute. But redemption. There's an old song that, uh, while y'all think, I'll sing you a song, okay? (laughs) No, I won't. There's an old song, um, I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And I would sing it to you, but I can't remember the rest of it. But it's a really catchy little song, and it kind of—it's one of those songs you learn in camp or when you're younger. And the first, you, you, somebody sings the first line, and then somebody repeats it. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, um, as far as I can go. But redeemed means we are bought back. Now, here's something that that we don't like to think about. 
But when we are born into this world, we are born into, well, uh, you might not want to hear this, but anyway, we were born into misery, okay? We were, we were born into a sinful world. And it's not my fault. It's not your fault. It just happened. It was Adam's fault. No, it wasn't. It's Eve's fault, right? Going back. <laughs> Can I get a witness? No, no. anyway. Um, but we were born into a, a miserable world. And so uh, along a few years later, when we were old enough to understand that we are sinners, that we, that we messed up on our own. It wasn't our mama's fault and it wasn't our daddy's fault. We can blame them. But after a while, we have to make decisions on our own. And we, we realize that we are lost. Not, not just don't know where we're going or don't know how to get there or where we are, but we are hopelessly lost. We're just, we're just miserable. And we are a child. We become a child of wrath. Or a child of the devil. Now, some of y'all may or may not remember an old song, old singer from back in the 60s and 70s. Um, I'll tell you his name in a minute. <laughs> I don't remember his name either. But anyway, he sung like this right here through his nose. Bob Dylan, thank you. I knew y'all knew who it was. Bob Dylan had a song. And this is something most of y'all don't know. Bob Dylan actually had a contemporary gospel album. Back in the 70s. How many of y'all knew that? Hmm? Nobody knew that. Okay. You learned something today, didn't you? Um, Bob Dylan had an a album that's called So You Want to Go Back to Egypt. That was the name of the album. But anyway, on that album, one of the songs that he said was, You Gotta Serve Somebody. That was the name of the song. And that song, I, I don't know how Bob Dylan is with the Lord, but that song makes sense. Folks, we have to serve somebody. And when we reach a certain age, we choose who we're going to serve. We're either going to serve God or we're going to serve the devil. Now listen, we don't come out and tell people that. You know, if somebody, if somebody don't go to church or, or, or they're not a Christian or they, you can just tell by the way they act, they don't care. You, you don't tell them, hey, you're a child of the devil. You don't tell them that, do you? But folks, listen, it's black and white. It's either, it's either God or the devil. And we don't like to talk about that. But when I reached a certain age, I was, I was probably 10 or 11 when I thought about things like that a lot. Um, my mom always drug me to church, but yeah, I didn't pay any attention uh, you know, at a young age. Not a whole lot. But anyway, um, when I got along about 11 or 12 years old, I, I made choices that you know, I was going to do my own thing. And I knew that I was not right with God. And... I, some way or another, well, God did this, not me. There wasn't something. God did it. There's no doubt about it. God made me realize that I was lost, that I, was, I had no hope, I was miserable, and I was a child of the devil, and I needed to be bought back. You see, before I realized I, that I was lost, I was safe with God as a little child, but when I reached a certain age, I knew I was lost. And I needed to be bought back. And that's what redemption means. It means that because... Well, y'all going to have to bear with me. I might cry a little bit. I do it every now and then. Um, sometimes I shout, and sometimes I cry, and sometimes I do both at the same time inside, but you, you don't know it. <laughs> but anyway, because of the blood of Jesus, we have redemption. We are bought... With a price. It was his blood. We are bought with a price. 
He, he paid the price for us. And that redemption, that being bought back, is forever. Once, once you receive Christ, once you allow Him to just give you the right way to go, you have eternal redemption. You have been redeemed or bought back forever. It's eternal. So I, I don't know about you guys, but that, that right there just makes me want to shout a little bit. Just a little bit. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of like Marty. I, I'm, I'm excited right now. You know, hey, I'd like to see him cut loose one time, wouldn't you guys? <laughs> don't tell him I said that. But anyway, that, that, just, that is something to get excited about. It's eternal. It's eternal redemption. And that's what Jesus did with his blood. The blood, and I'm going to read another verse, verse 13. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who were, are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. Just did the outward stuff. Could, it couldn't change the heart. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself, nobody took Christ's life, he offered it himself, unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences, consciousnesses, that's hard to say too, from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. Jesus offered up himself, now, you, you all have read in, the, in the, some of the Gospels, or, or you've probably heard it said, where that, you know, perhaps some people would die for a good man, but Jesus died for sinners. You've heard that before? If you didn't, you heard it now. Jesus died for sinners, and, and I'm a sinner, okay? There's only, there's only, the only difference between people that are lost and saved are some are sinners that are saved and some are sinners that need to be saved. That's the difference. Two categories. See, black and white. I'm pretty black and white this morning. But anyway, Jesus offered himself. And because of his blood, because of his blood and what he did for us, we can be redeemed and we can serve the living God. Now, you see, you see folks that try to do, to do the right thing. And you've probably heard the expression... Um, I have turned over a new leaf. Some people try to, to do better on their own. But, but there's, there's nothing there to help them unless they have Christ. And we can serve the living God because of what Christ did for us, because of His sacrifice. If you... Um, if you've ever used that expression or heard anybody say it, that, you know, so-and-so turned over a new leaf, listen, without a change in the heart, you know what will happen? The devil will turn the leaf back over the other way. And they're just, they go right back on their own. Without Christ in the heart, without a change, we cannot serve the living God. And so the blood of Christ, though, enables us to serve the living God. Now, back to the, the old song by Bob, Bobby, <laughs> Cousin Bobby, uh, Bob Dylan. You've got to serve somebody. You've got to serve somebody. So the choice is, do we want to serve the devil and think we're having a good time now? 
Or do we want to serve the living God and be able to live with him forever and know, know where we're going? You know, some folks that, that, that just that live like the devil or serve the devil, they don't, some of them just don't really know or understand what's going to happen after a while. They, somewhere, another, some folks think that someday when they stand before God, and most everybody believes that they're going to stand before God. We, we are, whether, whether I believe it or not, or whether you believe it or not, or whether whoever, whether they believe it or not, everybody's going to stand before God. And we'll, we'll read one of those verses here in a little bit. But some folks actually believe that when they get to the gate, they call it to the pearly gates, you know, a lot of times. They actually believe that when they get there, that St. Peter or somebody is going to say, why should I let you in? And they're going to start saying, well, I did. Matthew talked all about this. Well, I did this in your name. I did that in your name. I did this. I did all these good things. And, you know, surely, surely by me, and a, me being a pretty good person and doing all these good things, surely, you know, God's not going to send me to hell. And you've heard this expression. Listen, God does not want anybody to perish. God wants no one. Listen, if God, if God didn't care, he wouldn't even sent Jesus or allowed Jesus to come in the first place. We have to have Jesus. And he, the blood allows us to serve the living God. I'm so glad that I don't have to worry. Yeah, I, I do worry sometimes, but I don't have to worry because I serve the living God. And that's not a brag. That's just a fact. I serve the living God. And, and the only way that I can do that is because of what Jesus did for me on the cross, because of his blood. Let's, let's look at verse 15. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has, has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Here I want to zero in on the phrase eternal inheritance. And we'll, we'll read a little bit more about that internal, eternal inheritance in verse 16 on down to uh, about 22 there in just a second. But we have an eternal inheritance. And the next few verses talks about someone making a will. And, you know, that, that will is, is um, not any good until the person dies. And, of course, that re- kind of represents uh, shedding of blood. But Jesus died, shed his blood, so that we could have an inheritance. An inheritance. Now, have any of you guys ever received anything from anybody that sort of like an inheritance or something your parents handed down to you or gave to you? Or, okay, a few of you. Um, I'm, I'm driving something that was kind of like an inheritance to me. To me. Um, I'm driving an old junkie Duramax sitting out there, uh, an old diesel truck. And my stepdad bought the truck new. And uh, I probably... Probably about a year before he died, he said, he called me son, even though he's my stepdad. He said, son, 
He called me. He said, son, you need to come up here and get this truck. And I said, and he'd already told me that, I, that he was going to give me the truck someday. And so I said, well, yeah, I, I, I know that, uh, Paul. I, I'll be glad to come up and get the truck. He said, no. He said, I want you to come up and get the truck. And I want you to go ahead and start driving it now. And I said, okay. So I went up there and he gave me my own set of keys to the truck, you know. There's, there's advantages, advantages to being a son of the father, even if it's a stepfather or an adopted father. There's some advantages to it. But anyway, he's come up and get, so I got my own set of keys and um, started driving the truck. And he said, the only thing I ask is that you come and get me and take me someplace if I want to go. Which, he didn't go very much, so I didn't take him very much. But anyway, um, he called me a little bit later on. He said, son, he said, uh, I don't want anybody to uh, take this truck away from you when I die. And he said, so I, what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and let me put, put that truck in your name. So put, it in, put it in my name and your name. That way, uh, when I die, it would already be yours. And, you know, there you go. And I said, well, I, I, I really don't want to do that. I don't want to take your truck. He said, no. He said, I want to do this. So I went to the courthouse, got the paperwork, came home, filled it all out, took it back. And we transferred the truck from his name to his name and my name. And so... I knew that, that that old Duramax truck was mine. Even though his name was still, I knew it was mine. Now listen, that was an inheritance, right? And I knew it was mine. I had the papers to prove it. Well, we have an eternal inheritance because of the... I believe I need to say this so I'm not going to just cry and shout. But we have an eternal inheritance because of the blood of Jesus. And, and it's a sure, sure thing. Everything that the Father has, the Son has, and we are joint heirs with Christ. And everything that He has is ours. Those that know Jesus as their Savior. That is eternal inheritance we have a we have a place beyond this world i don't know how it's all going to work out i don't know how the pre-millennial all-millennial post-millennial all that works i just know that his blood covered my sin and i have an eternal inheritance and it's mine and i'm going to i'm going to be with him someday and all those that know Christ will be with Him someday. All those that have the blood applied to their lives, their hearts, will be with Christ someday. These next few verses talks about a will. And let's look, at, look into them, those verses. Verse 16. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes place, never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, scarlet wool and branches of hyssop and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. 
Isn't that something? Dramatic pause. I don't know if Marty would get mad about me sharing this with you guys or not, but one of his problems was he had nasal problems. And he went, bless his heart, he went through Walmart with a box of Kleenexes that he hadn't paid for yet because he needed them, okay? I need one now, so excuse me. But anyway, did y'all catch that part right there about the, the blood, where, where all that blood was sprinkled? It was sprinkled on everything, um, even the people. Could you, can you imagine that? Aren't you glad that Jesus gave himself for us and that his blood takes away our sins and that his blood is applied and, and it's, it's not actually on us? How many of you guys just faint at the sight of blood? Anybody? Anybody? A few of you? I'll tell you what, I don't, I don't like the, the sight of blood. But folks, in the, in the Old Testament it was pretty gory. Let me tell you a short story. And if you've heard this story before, act like you didn't, okay? But I don't like the sight of blood, but I can kind of handle it. Um, I was telling somebody this morning, I think it was Mo. Where's Mo? Okay. I was telling somebody about my friend, or my uncle, Charles. There's Mo. Any of y'all have an Uncle Charles? About everybody has an Uncle Charles, right? Well, I had an Uncle Charles, and uh, I'm from Kentucky, so I have three uncles younger than me. Y'all can figure that out later. (laughs) I might ought to explain explain that. (laughs) Uh, My grandmother had three boys after I was born. That's, it's simple. The explanation is simple. But ladies had babies for 20 or 30 years back then, okay? So anyway, I had three uncles younger than me, and the one closest to me was about five months younger than me, and, and me and him, we grew up like brothers. I didn't, I didn't have any brothers, but my uncles, we were like brothers. So anyway, I had this bicycle that had the banana seat. Any of y'all ever seen the banana seat on the old bicycles? I had a bicycle with a banana seat. Let me stutter. It gets kind of interesting after a while. But anyway, I've always, almost all my life, I've lived up on a hill. I don't know why. I just always lived up on a hill. Right now, when you go to my house, you have to drive up to get to it. Not real steep, but you still have to drive up. But anyway, in this particular house, when I was about 14 years old, something like that, I lived up on a really steep hill. I mean, it was such a steep hill that if it rained, you had to have a four-wheel drive to get up there. So anyway... I had this bicycle, and my Uncle Charles didn't have a bicycle at the time. So he and I were doubling on my bicycle. And so we'd go up on top of that hill. Me and him both would get on that bicycle. And he was kind of chubby, okay? Uh, I love chubby people, and I'm chubby. It's okay. But anyway, we got up on that bicycle, up on that hill, and we'd, we'd go down the road, go off the hill and go down the road, and we'd go until it quit rolling, you know, because there's more hills. And it's Kentucky. And so after it quit rolling, then we would ride back what we could, and then we'd push back up the hill. So we're just having a big old time. We got back up on top of the hill, and Charles said, Queasy said it, I got nervous, but Charles said, Tony, let me, let me ride, let me drive. I said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I want, I, I don't think I want to do that. He said, oh, I said, come on now. He said, 
this is what I should have said no to. He said, I trusted you. Now you trust me. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> if, anybody, if anybody ever says that to you, say no. <laughs> so anyway, we got on that bicycle. I'm on the back. And at the bottom of the hill, the steepest part, there's a creek. And there's this one tile or culvert in the creek that's just wide enough. We were poor, so our culverts weren't very wide either, okay? Just wide enough for one vehicle to go across. So here we go. We go and start down that hill, and I'm on the back, and I'm nervous, and Charles is having a big old time, and a truck pulls up onto the culvert. Now, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, I didn't know what we was going to do. I, I just... <laughs> First thing I was going to do is wake up Leroy because we're going to have a wreck. Some of y'all may know that joke. But anyway, we went off that hill and he missed the truck, but he hit the creek. And we went flying through the air and I don't know what all. And when we stopped, I was laying in the creek with my, that's probably where I hurt my back the first time. I was laying in the creek, holding my back, couldn't move. I was, felt like I was paralyzed and going to die. So I was laying there. And Charles was still hanging on to the bicycle with one hand. I don't know how he did it. But anyway, he looked over at me and he said, Tony, Tony, are you all right? Are you all right? And about the time I said yes, before I even got it completely out of my mouth, he looked down and saw some blood on his pinky. It caught on the chain or on the sprocket and it just nipped the end of it. But it was bleeding a little bit. That was all, it was all over. He, he, he forgot me. He left me laying in the creek. There I laid, about to die. And he jumps up and goes, Whoa! And he runs to the house, and there I lay in the creek. So, some people can't stand the sight of blood. And I know that's a long story, but it was the truth. Now, you want to hear the kicker? <laughs> you don't even have to know the rest of this story, but it's, it's pretty interesting. I was laying there in the creek. And I had this little neighbor boy. He must have been some kin to Bob Dylan because he talked through his nose too. He's this little kid, you know, just kind of irritating. You know anybody like that? <laughs> don't, don't name names. But anyway, I was laying there in the creek and he walked over. He, was the next, he lived next door. And he walked over. And while I was dragging myself up out of the creek to try to go lick my wounds... He says something, and if I'd have been able, I'd probably chased him and hit him. But he said, uh, ain't you going to get your bicycle, Tony? <laughs> oh, boy. I still remember that boy's name today, and I haven't seen him in 30 years. But I, I tell you what, I am so glad. I am so glad that Jesus took my place and shed his blood for me and I, I'm so glad that I live today instead of in the Old Testament because it was a mess. You had to, you had to, the, the priest had to sacrifice uh, for himself. It had to be a blood sacrifice. And then the, then the people had to have a sacrifice, blood sacrifice before he could go in, go in and pray for you. And it was just temporary. And it only washed and cleaned the outside. And then it was everywhere. The, the, this right here tells the, the scroll was sprinkled with blood, this, that, and the other, and the people. Everything. That's, I am so glad that Jesus offered himself for the blood sacrifice. They sprinkled the scroll and all the people. Verse 20. 
He said, this is the blood of the covenant, which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. Now, here, here's, here's what's really important for us. Without and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Folks, there, there's religions out there that claim that you can get right with a God some other way. But listen, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. We are hopeless. We are wretched. We are miserable without the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus, we can be forgiven. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't handle guilt very well. And when I do something wrong, it just eats me up until, until I make it right. Um, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to apologize to somebody after a while for something that I did. And they probably don't even know that I felt bad about doing this, but I'm going to apologize to them anyway. Um, but I, I want to be forgiven. And God placed inside of us a desire to be right with Him and right with people. And without the blood of Christ, we can't do either. I mean, most of the time, most of the time when I don't get along with somebody, you know whose fault it is? Mine. Most of the time, it's my fault. Because most people want to get along with other people. There's a, there's a few honorary ones out there, like, well, I started to call that boy's name. His first name was Mark, okay? Uh, there's a few irritating people out there that you don't really know if you want to get along with him or not. But yet, there's something built into us that we want forgiveness. And we want, to, we want, to, we want people to like us. We want to get along with people. And we, we definitely want the approval of God. I, I don't want to stand before God one day and say... All I can say is, I, did, I think I did pretty good. You know what he's going to say? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Without the blood being applied, there's no forgiveness. I'm, I'm so glad that Jesus died for us so that we could be forgiven. Now, we're in the home stretch. Look in verse 23. Hang on. It was necessary then... For the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves were better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not for Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. Now I'm going to pause there for a minute and then we'll finish. Jesus entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. Now, something that you all have heard quite a bit here in the book of Hebrews probably is the word mediator. We have, we have Jesus as our mediator. He is our go-between. He is our 
advocate, our, our lawyer. He's, he's pleading our case. When I mess up, Jesus is saying to the Heavenly Father, Hey, I, I know he messed up, but he's, he's, he, my, my, my friend, he's kind of slow. <laughs> he's kind of slow. That's a bad movie reference, I'm sorry. But anyway... Jesus is praying for us. He is making intercession for us. He is before the Father saying, Father, I I died for that person. I shed my blood for that person. I shed my blood for for Tony so that he can be forgiven. So that he can have have a right, right relationship with you. And that's why Jesus died for us. So that we would have someone... Standing before God, saying, hey, I shed my blood for that person. Folks, listen. Some of you may think that, that, um, that you're not worth much. I know that I'm not worth much. But I do know this. Jesus died for me. He shed his blood for me. And he's making intercession for me. He's before the Father, talking to God for me. And, he, and if, he's not, if he's not doing the same for you right now, he wants to do the same for you. There, there's, the only thing keeping you from the Father is you. Jesus shed his blood so that he could stand before the Father and pray for you and make intercession for you. And I am, I am so glad... That when God looks at me, he sees me through the blood sacrifice of Jesus. Because if, if he didn't look through that, I would be hope, hopeless. I would be miserable. I would be lost. But because of that, Jesus is appearing in God's presence for us. Now look at verse 25. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again. The way the high priest enters the most holy place... Every year, the blood that, every year with blood that is not his own. This is going back to the priest, what he had to do. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. I could just camp out right there for a long time. Jesus did this for us so that he could do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now, if it wasn't for sin, I would be a real good person. How about you guys? How many of y'all? Right? How many of y'all would just be almost perfect if it wasn't for sin, right? But Jesus came to do away with sin. We're not always going to have to to deal with sin or wrestle with sin or temptation because Jesus died for us. Now, we don't even have to deal with it right now by ourselves. Jesus did it all for us. He did it all. He, he offered himself as a sacrifice. He saves us and then he helps us to do the right thing. He, he helps us to not sin. Do you know most of the time when I mess up, it's because I wasn't paying attention? How many of you all just don't pay attention sometimes? 
Yeah, I, I don't. I don't, you know. Sort of like Otis Campbell. I saw, I saw sin coming, but it saw me first. Right? Whoa, boy. Everybody needs an Aunt B. But Jesus came to do away with sin by his own sacrifice. And so, someday it's going to be completely gone. We're, it's never going to be around us again. Look at verse 27. I'm going to wrap it up. Just as people are des- destined to die once. get Listen to that. People are destined to die once. After that, to face judgment. So, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That is a really good way to end a chapter or a thought. That's really a good way to, to end a sermon. Jesus is coming back. So that we don't have to worry about sin anymore. He's coming back. Who, who's he coming back for? He's coming back for those. For those. Who are waiting for him. He's bringing salvation. He will appear a second time. And that's where we go in talking about. Well what's going to happen next. And this and that and the other. Well listen. The most important thing. About the end of time. Or when Jesus comes back or all these things you can study about in the book of Revelation, the most important thing is answering the question, am I ready? Am I ready? Has the blood of Christ been applied to my life? Am, am, I, am I looking forward to Jesus coming back? Or am I kind of dreading it and kind of hoping that I'm ready? Listen, we have a... a a kind of salvation that is forever. Eternal life is forever and forever and forever. And so if you know Christ, if you've had the blood applied, you can say, I'm looking forward to when he comes back. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting a little older every day. And it seems like I stay tired. I can even eat Two or three Smucker's Donuts, and I'm still tired. I'm telling you, I'm getting old. But listen, someday Jesus is coming back, and it's all going to be over. It's all going to be worth it. His blood applied. And my question to, to all of us, to you especially, has the blood of Christ been applied to your life? Do you know Jesus as your Savior, and do you know that whether you die and face the judgment or whether He comes back, do you know that you're ready? Now you might say, well, I, I don't know if I'm ready or not, and I don't, I don't even know if I can be ready. Yes, you can be ready, and you can know. Um, God don't want us to have to doubt stuff. He don't want us to have to worry... I, I share with you a second ago, I mentioned the word worry. I worry too much. If you worry any at all, it's too much. But I worry too much. But one thing that I don't worry about, and I've not worried about this for a long, long, long time, and that's where I stand with God 
through Jesus and his blood. I know that Jesus died for me. And I'm just, I almost used the word stupid. That's not a good word there. I'm, I guess ignorant would be another word. I'm almost ignorant enough to believe that when Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, I'm almost ignorant enough to believe that. I don't know about you, but I, I, I believe that. No, I, I am ignorant enough to believe that, I guess. God said it and I believe it. And I'm ready. I, I, I wouldn't mind if he came back today. I really wouldn't mind that. But anyway, he's coming back. And, and the reason he's coming back or what enables him to be able to come back and receive us and to bring us salvation is because of what he did on the cross. It's all about the blood. All, everything. And that's something we don't like to talk about. We don't like to hear about it. We want to run home and lick our wounds. But Jesus did this for us. I'd like for us to just spend a, a moment or two praying together. And uh, if you will, go ahead and uh, just bow your head for a second and, or for a minute. And I'll ask Tyler to come on up. But I'm just wondering, where, where, are you stand, where do you stand with God? Has, has the blood of Jesus been applied to your life? Do you believe that if he came back, you would be ready? I pray that you are. And you can know that you're ready. Let's pray just for a minute. Our our Heavenly Father, we don't even know what to say to express our, our gratitude for what you've done for us. You offered your Son. He, he offered himself freely. And we thank you for that. And God, I, I just thank you for your word. And I thank you that we can learn from your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that convicts and teaches. And God, I just pray that everyone that can hear my voice can know that your blood has been applied. Jesus, you died for us. Help us to just trust you with our lives, with our eternal lives. Because we're going to live somewhere forever. Help us to allow you to be our Savior and our Lord. I praise you and I I ask in Jesus' name. If you have a prayer request or something you want to talk about, There's some cards in front of the chair, in front of you, behind the seats. Uh, Grab those and write something down if you want us to know something here at the church. Uh, We want to help you take your next step toward God, whatever that may be. Um, And if you want to share something with us, just write it down and drop it in the offering basket here in a minute or two. Okay?